see how long it takes for one of us to talk. I was still dancing to I the music. Welcome to weekday cliff notes. All right. <laughs> I was going to fuck it up again. I know. I was waiting to see if you could get it or not. I got it. Got it. Because you could barely did. remember our socials. No, I. The last episode. It, that took, was... it took you a second. I had an edible. <laughs> okay. So that's your excuse is that you had an edible. No, because the edibles don't affect me like that because I don't take nearly as much. I don't take enough to make me high. Okay. But I did also have a migraine pill and some pain pills. So the combination may have made me a little loopy. That seemed about right. Yeah. Because you were a little... uh, In and out of it. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. My bad. (laughs) I'm tired and exhausted, and my eyes are watering. Tired and exhausted. Yeah, because there's a difference. Okay. And my body is sore, and I know I'm going to be the same way tomorrow. Probably. So we should just get on with the show. (laughs) That's what I'm doing. (laughs) Well, I'm Kevin. I'm Stephanie. Welcome to Open a Fucking Book. Like she said, it's our weekday Cliff Notes episode, first one of 2021. Woo! So let's get it started uh, with a death. <laughs> so nice. Maybe that's why my eyes are watering. Sure. Uh, I doubt you ever heard of this writer, but... You'd be surprised. You know what? I probably would be. Uh, Ved Meta? What'd they write? He... So okay, let's get into it. He uh he he was a writer who illuminated India and he is dead at age eighty six. Now I got this from the New York Times, written by Margalit Fox. Uh Vedmeta, a longtime writer for the New Yorker, whose best known work spanning a dozen volumes explored the vast, turbulent history of modern India through the intimate lens of his own autobiography, died on Saturday at his home in Manhattan at the age of eighty six. The cause was complications of Parkinson's disease. Uh, Associated with the magazine, The New Yorker, for more than three decades, much of his magnum opus began his articles in its pages. Mr. Mr. Meta was widely widely considered the 20th century writer most responsible for introducing American readers to India. Besides his multi-value memoir published in book form between 1972 and 2004, so it's a good span, his more than two dozen books include volumes of reportage on India, among them Walking the Indian Streets, 1960, Portrait of India, 1970, and Mahatma Gandhi and His Apostles in 1977, as well as Explorations of Philosophy, Theology, and Linguistics, his Literary style derived partially from his singular way of working. Blind from the age of three, Mr. Meta composed all of his all of his works orally, dictating long swaths to an assistant who read them back again and again for him to polish until the work shone like a mirror. He could rework a single article more than a hundred times. Damn. Yeah. Now, one of the most striking hallmarks of Mr. Meta's prose 
was its profusion of visual description of the rich and varied landscape he encountered, of the people he interviewed, of the cities he visited. In the line of duty, he traversed India, Britain, and the United States, including the teeming streets of New York, nearly always alone with neither dog nor cane. Blind. Yeah, but even some blind people can see no, a little bit. he was blind. So he is survived by his wife of 37 years, Lynn, along with her two daughters, Sage Meta Robinson and Dr. Natasha Meta, his sisters, Pramila Mort, Mehorota, I guess, and Ermelia Singh, and their two grandchildren. Now, I was reading in the article, uh, it even said that some of his critics said that there's no way he could be completely blind because of how he's able to describe things. And he's like, I just go off of the only memories I have from when I was like three. And that's what I draw everything off of. And there was another, there was a critic that actually said that one day he was going to just walk up to him and punch him in the face just to prove that he wasn't blind, but he never, he died before he could fulfill that, you know, promise. What a dick. (laughs) But no, he was completely blind. Um, he traveled all – it was a story about how he went to a blind school as a kid and he had the cane and he was traveling. But he was coming back home in a cane and he could hear the, the sounds of the tap, tap, tap from the cane on the ground echoing off of the gates he was coming up to. And it made him feel very shy and very um, – what were the words they said? Self, uh, self-aware, I guess. So he broke the cane and never used one again. Well, they do say when one sense fades, then your other senses heighten. That was another thing. Um, they said that he could tell the style and make of a car just from the sound the engine made because his ears were so good. Yeah, I know a lot of mechanics that can do that. He wasn't a mechanic. No, I know, but to, to because they're so used to hearing engines they can tell the difference between different engines and makes and models of cars right but you know they're partially deaf unless it's a car engine yeah (laughs) true but you only give a shit about what you give a shit about too yes so okay so he's dead at age 86 that's sad it is very sad i don't know any of his um his books or his stories but from reading the article, it's a decent size. Uh, I, I cut it down quite a bit. It's a decent size article, and it makes me hope that maybe somebody does a full-blown biography on him. And it might be somebody that we end up covering somewhere down the road. Because from what I could read on there, he had a pretty fuck interesting life. Especially just being blind at three. From It was uh, cerebrospinal meningitis. Yeah. He it, And it, it happened to him just a few days before he turned four. So he was almost four when he lost his sight, but it, it it completely took his eyesight. And you could tell, you look at pictures of him, you, you, you the second you look at him, you go, oh, fuck, he's blind. You could tell the second you look at him. So, but he, he seemed somebody, he seemed like somebody who would be extremely interesting to cover. So yeah. maybe down the road. And our, our second and last story, really. Uh, is kind of a callback to a story that we had last month. So this is by Ed Nowatka. 
from PublishersWeekly.com. As Publishers Weekly launches new U.S. book trade fair for May. Now, Publishers Weekly has announced it will launch a new American publishing publishing trade fair named the U.S. Book Show. The debut event will run virtually May 26th through the 28th. The intended audience includes booksellers, librarians, publishers, and literary agents from across the U.S. and the world. Programming will be limited to five hours per day to facilitate further networking and parties, as well as to accommodate participants from a variety of time zones across the U.S. and the world. Now, if you remember last month, we spoke of the announcement that they had permanently canceled the Book Expo. I don't remember. If, I don't know if you remember that yes. story. Um, but this is kind of what they're doing instead of that. Making it virtual. Yeah. So self-published authors will have a dedicated track of events catered specifically to their needs. So if you're self-publishing, you're not getting left out of this. You're still going to be able to go on there at certain times on certain forums and um, connect with people and, and do everything you need to do. So Publishers Weekly is taking into consideration all all of you out there that are trying to self-publish your book, which usually the type of people we're trying to you know pimp out yeah so publishers weekly will produce dedicated show daily issues for the fair providing a full listing of events news authors profiles advertising opportunities and more for further information you can go to publishersweekly.com slash bookshow i will have the link in our show notes so uh if there are any self-publishers out there that are listening to this show you can feel free to click on that and it will give you more information all right well that's the news that's all I got. Do you have anything anything that you had heard or want to talk about before I get to the four books of the week? No. No. <laughs> Cuz I mean, I've I've tried to keep up on book news. I've read one book so far this year. Did and you posted it on Goodreads on, on our Goodreads? No. Your my, good on your Goodreads, which yes. I have linked to the show uh from our uh show from monday the link is on there i will continue to link that to the shows so people can continue to go yes follow I'm, you i'm behind because to keep up with my goodreads goal of 125 books this year i need to read two and a half books a week and we are in the third week of well and you have to and you have to keep in consideration that there is still stuff that has to be done you know around the house and with kids and stuff so if you yes. fall behind I, I wouldn't feel too horrible but there's also it. weeks that i read like 10 books in a week yeah, you you go through these binges like most people go through Netflix shows. You go through books where you won't do anything with with any books for a long time, and then all of a sudden you get in this mode and you finish a book and you're like, okay, what should I read next? And you pick up something else and you read it and it's like, okay, what should I read next? And uh, it's kind of it really it's astonishing to, if you guys have a chance to come down here and just watch, like look through the windows and watch her like she's in a zoo. It's pretty astonishing. <laughs> She just flies through books left and right. Sometimes. Somet sometimes. I'm saying you can. You have the ability to binge books like somebody else would binge Netflix or Hulu. Yeah, but it, I usually don't get the time to read that much anymore. Yeah, that's usually like weekends when I'm home or, uh, you know, something along those lines. It's it's yeah, rarely when... Kids don't have school, and I yeah. don't have to pick them up at different times and drop them off at different times. And yeah. it's My whole schedule's all screwed up. Let's see what kind of books I can get. Okay. 
Today's episode is brought to you by our brand new exclusive discount code for thebeardstruggle.com. Gentlemen, have you grown out that beard? Or are you just starting? Well, if you're like me, you began to notice pretty quickly that the skin underneath all that hair can get pretty dry and flaky. And trust me when I tell you, beard dandruff sucks. And the people over the beard struggle know this and have made it their life's work to develop the best products to make growing and keeping that beard as painless as possible. Over time, the ingredients in their formulas have proven themselves, not just because their customers have had enormous success with them, but because they have worked for centuries. They use 100% natural ingredients, never test on animals, and promise a 90-day money-back guarantee. From the day and night oils, the shampoos and conditioners, all the way to the ingenious beard straightener. They have everything you need to tame that face fur, and I use them, my beard has never looked, felt, or smelled better. Just ask my wife. So go to thebeardstruggle.com, all one word, or click on our link in the show notes, and use our new exclusive discount code, AUDIO15, at checkout for 15% off. That's A-U-D-I-O-1-5 for 15% off your entire order. Go now and feast your face. I don't know. I don't know if these are going to be down your alley or not. I picked them because they were new and they're by smaller publishers and because I thought they were neat. So here we go. Okay. So our fiction book of the week, first of 2021, is Outlawed by Anna North. In the year of our Lord, 1894, I became an outlaw. The day of her wedding, 17-year-old Ada's life looked good. She loves her husband, and she loves working as an apprentice to her mother, a respectable midwife. But after a year of marriage and no pregnancy in a town where barren women were routinely hanged as witches, her survival depends on leaving behind everything she knows. She joins up with a notorious hole-in-the-wall gang, a band of outlaws led by a preacher-turned-robber known to all as The Kid. Charismatic, grandiose, subject to huge mood swings, The Kid is determined to create a safe haven for outcast women. But to make this dream a reality, the gang hatches a treacherous plan that might get them all killed, and Ada must decide whether she's willing to risk her life for the possibility of a new kind of future for them all. Featuring an, featuring an irresistible, no-nonsense, courageous, and determined heroine, Outlawed dusts off the myth of the Old West and reignites the glimmering promise of the frontier with an entirely new set of feminist stakes. Anna North has crafted a pulse-racing, page-turning saga about the search for hope in the wake of death and for truth in a climate of small-mindedness and fear. From Bloomsbury Publishing... I believe it is already out January 2021, seven, 200, 272 pages. That does sound interesting. See, the reason I didn't think you would... Because of the West. Would, was because it's a, it's a Western and you don't like Westerns. I don't like Westerns, but it doesn't sound too Western-y. I don't think... It sounds very Western-y to me, just feminist Western-y. And I don't think that you've seen enough good Westerns to really say that you don't like Westerns. Because there's some really good Westerns out I've there. I've seen enough John Wayne... I'm not talking about John Wayne. Fuck, John Wayne was a Clint, fucking racist. Clint Fuck John Eastwood Wayne. Clint and, Eastwood is a Trump supporter. Fuck Clint Eastwood. But I've seen their... Like, The Quick and the Dead is amazing. I don't know what I've seen, but... Uh, I had a friend whose dad watched nothing but westerns, and 
Unforgiven is Clint Eastwood and I, I believe Morgan Freeman. It's great. I just I don't I don't like westerns. True Grit. It's amazing. But I I liked learning about Annie Oakley and Billy the Kid. Yeah, and... when we went to uh, Merrimack Caverns and learned about um... no, like when I was in school and shit. Well, and I'm talking about like Merrimack Cavern when we went and uh, oh, who was it that hu- that hit out in Merrimack Caverns? I do not remember. It was the. Uh... Fuck a duck. I don't remember either. It'll come to us later. Next book. No, no. Jesse James. I remembered it. And his gang. And his gang. Yes. It was Jesse James. But, I mean, okay, so that's Missouri, so it's not really the West, but still. It was the West at one point. It was kind of. It was the West at one point. Well, it is the West because it's the West of the Mississippi. Yes. And, yeah. And, um,. Kind of in in that period, damn near every anything that didn't happen in you know New York was considered the West. Well, yeah, and anything so. past the Mississippi was West. Yeah. So, okay, okay. So our nonfiction, the Eagles of Heart Mountain, a true story of football, incarceration, and resistance in World War II America by Bradford Pearson. In the spring of 1942, the United States government forced 120,000 Japanese Americans from their homes in California, Oregon, Washington, and Arizona and sent them to incarceration camps across the West. Nearly 14,000 of them landed on the outskirts of Cody, Wyoming, at the base of Hart Mountain. Behind barbed wire fences, they faced racism, cruelty, and frozen winters. Trying to recreate comforts from home, many established Buddhist temples and sumo wrestling pits. Kabuki performances drew hundreds of spectators, yet there was little hope. That is, until the fall of 1943, when the camp's high school football team, the Eagles, started its first season and finished it undefeated, crushing the competition from nearby, predominantly white high schools. Amid all this excitement, American politics continued to disrupt their lives as the federal government drafted men from the camps for the front lines, including some of the Eagles. As the team's second season kicked off, the young men faced a choice to either join the Army or resist the draft. Teammates were divided, and some were jailed for their decisions. The Eagles of Heart Mountain honors the resilience of extraordinary heroes and the power of sports in a sweeping and inspirational portrait of one of the darkest moments in American history. From Atria Books, January 2021, 400 pages. It seems like it's up your alley. It does. I've it, I've never heard that story. Usually when we talk about like a lot of these nonfiction stories, it's something that I've at least kind of heard of. I've never heard of this. I'm Obviously... We've heard of the Japanese internment camps. Yes. In the, you know, right there during the beginning of World War II for us because they claim they, you know, put them in camps to, for their own protection because it was the Japanese that bombed us and they were trying to keep the Japanese protected. But that was all honestly a bunch of bullshit. If you believe that, then I don't know what the fucking tell you. So we all know about that, but I didn't, I didn't realize about the rest of this. So yes, that does seem like something I would be interested in. And yes, I would read it, even if it is 400 pages and I don't read long books well. It would take you all year, but not all. It all depends on what I get around to actually picking it up and reading it. My problem isn't, isn't 
wanting to read. My problem is finding time to read. You still haven't finished The Tattooist of Auschwitz. I kind of put it down and just kind of gave up on it because there was, I mean, there was just some stuff in there that was, and I even read up on it and it was, there's just some stuff in there that is obviously not true. And there's some, there's some things in there that you look at, you're like, that doesn't seem right. So I just kind of put it down. I never picked it back up. I will finish it eventually just to see what, if, if, Honestly, if I really want to finish it, I'll probably just get the Audible and listen to it because I don't have the time to just sit down and read it when I have to sit down and read shit for research for, you know, the show. I'm not a I can read two books at the same time type of person. Oh. <laughs> I'm not you. Not you. I know. Okay. Our kids book this week is Outside Inside by Luyen Pham. Something strange happened on an unremarkable day just before the season changed. Everybody who was outside went inside. Outside, it was quieter, wilder, and different. Inside, we laughed, we cried, we grew. We remembered to protect the ones we love and love the ones who protect us. While the world changed outside, we became stronger on the inside and believed that someday, soon, spring would come again. Outside Inside is a moving picture book celebrating essential workers and the community coming together to face the challenges of the global COVID-19 pandemic. From Roaring Books Press, January 21, January 2021, uh, 48 pages, ages 3 to 6. Good. Teach those little kids to wash their hands and wear their masks. Yeah, and it looks like it's it's about... Celebra- like says, celebrating essential workers and the communities coming together, which it, with all the shit that's going on right now, I think that's kind of getting lost, that there were, for a long time, before everybody kind of just went back to work, there was a group of people that still had to go to work. Yes. While everybody else got to stay home, do their shit from home or whatever. A lot of us, me included, had to still go to work and put themselves you know in a situation that might not have been super safe so yay us and our ya novel of the week what stephanie looks forward to the most monsters among us by monica roden when Catherine ellers returns home after her first semester at college she is seeking refuge from a night she can barely piece together dreads remembering and refuses to talk about She tries to get back to normal, but just days later, the murder of someone close to her tears away any illusion of safety. Catherine feels driven to face both violent events head-on in hopes of finding the perpetrators and bringing them to justice with the help of her childhood friend, Henry. Then, a stranger from college arrives with her lost coat, missing driver's license, and details to help fill in the gaps in her memory that could be the key to solving both mysteries. But who is Andrew Worthington, and why is he offering to help her? And what other dangerous obsessions is her sleepy town hiding? Surrounded by secrets and lies, Catherine must unravel the truth before this wolf in sheep's clothing strikes again. From Crown Books for Young Readers, January 2021, 400 pages, ages 14 and up. Sounds all right. I think they're making a movie called Monsters Among Us or a Netflix show or something like that. I didn't say anything um, 
about that. So there were there were a few YA books that uh, I had looked through. I I picked this one because it seemed the most interesting to me. But I like I said, I knew that you, I don't know how much interested you would be because again, there's no uh, witches and monster uh, real monsters in it. <laughs> you Not like things all that, my books have like real monsters. That, you like things that fly and sparkle. Not all my books have creatures that fly and sparkle. Not all of them have witches. (laughs) A lot of them. A lot of them have a supernatural element to it. You can't tell me that they don't. Uh, (laughs) Does the left-handed booksellers of London have a supernatural element? I'm not going to count it if you haven't gotten around to reading it yet. No, I haven't read it yet. It's in your pile, though. Because every time I read a book on here... That has something supernatural in it. Those are the ones you go, I want it. People Missing in the Woods. By... You, you bought that because she has the same name as you and I had for, to... your, for your book challenge. Yes. Not because I read it on here. No. But <laughs> that is a book that I now own that is based on true events about people getting lost and murdered in the woods. Why the fuck didn't you tell me about that? I'll read that. True crime shit's right down my fucking alley. Mine too. I know. So I wanted to start a true crime podcast, but there's so fucking many of them. But that just proves that I have more than ghost stories. You only bought it because you have the same name. I didn't know what the book was about until I bought it. You bought it because you have the same name. You didn't buy it because other books like that. Okay, but you you didn't buy that book because of the content of the book. You bought it because you two have the same name. And I have some romance books. What romance books do you have? Dorinda Jones. With supernatural elements in it. Uh, I have Karen Marie Moaning, even though I haven't read hers yet, so I don't know. Um, I have a couple of her books. Uh, I have a Danielle Steele book down there that somewhere. That you never looked twice at. Somebody, Somebody gave, gave it, to it to you. <laughs> it doesn't count. It has to be a book that you will actually sit down and read. You have a bunch of fucking James Patterson books in there too that you've never looked at twice because somebody gave them to you. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I've got the fuck it list that doesn't have uh You bought it cuz it has fuck it in the na- in the title. <laughs> the perks of being a wallflower. Okay. That one I'll give you. Okay. Um Anyway, I don't want to step all over Hamlet, uh, Poe, uh, Poe has supernatural shit all over it, and I bought you that fucking book. I I have another Poe book, aside from the one you bought me. Okay, which Poe book do you have that has no supernatural elements in it? I, I don't know. Exactly. It's just a collection of... And Hamlet is, is fucking Shakespeare. That doesn't count. And it has ghosts. Exactly. Um, I, I don't want to step all over um, The Monsters Among Us, because I picked it because it, se- it seemed like... It's like two mysteries in one you're solving. And honestly, when I was looking through a lot of the books, there's something with YA novels that kind of gets me because there was another book I was reading that I was going to pick. I'm not going to say, you know, which one because before I I didn't even see this one yet. I just kind of saw that one first and I picked it. I was reading through and it seemed really neat until you get close to the end and all of a sudden there's this romance um angle to it. 
And it's like not every book has to have some budding teenager, 20-something-year-old romance in it. And I didn't see – it might have it in in the book. There might be a romance in it, but it's not in the synopsis. And then that's kind of one of the reasons I went, okay, this is – she's she's focusing on the mysteries. She's focusing on uh, figuring out who killed this person who's close to her, why she's missing time, why she can't remember a night. So it was like, that's what I want. I, want, I just want a book – where she's where you know even a female character is focusing on what she needs to focus on and isn't getting you know disrupted with some stupid boy it's the rock says fuck you the rock says it's a biography that he wrote you bought it because you wanted to get in his pants that's beside the point that is the point no the point is what you were going after i have more I just can't see all the titles of my books. Okay, but we can come to the conclusion that the vast majority of the books you own have some supernatural element to them. Well, yeah, when I own like thirty Rick Riordan, exactly. But those—that's what you like, and, and there's then... nothing, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with reading that. I, I got like I—I I got a bunch of books that just zombie stuff. You like what you like, but. The vat, most of the books that we've talked about on here that had supernatural stuff, those are the ones you go, Ooh, I want it. Supernatural, Faye. Which um, is supernatural. Eh. Yeah, it's super. It's, it's, it's supernatural is anything that is above just the natural order of things, which Faye are. They can perform certain types of magic. It's supernatural. Well, I consider them to be fairy tale ish. Which is still supernatural stuff. Okay, whatever. That's just what you're into. He always has to burst my bubble. I'm a bubble burster. That's not the bubble you should be bursting. <laughs> I live in reality. Like the whole- You're a fucking muggle! With the whole science and magic conversation that we I had the don't, other day. Don't, no, no, no. We're not rehashing that shit. I'm, not, rehash, I'm not rehashing anything. I'm, but I was Talk right. Talk to the hand. Don't flick it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next. That was it. That was our YA novel. <sighs> we are done. <laughs> well, we need to do socials and shit. Are okay. you ready? Yes. Go. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at openafingbook. Yes. And you can find me at ECJBAT on both of them as well. Do you know both of mine? You are on Twitter at Y-O-U-N-G-E-T-A-M-6. Mm-hmm. And you are on Instagram at Y-O-U-N-G-E-T-A-M. Very good. You can email us at openafingbook at gmail.com uh, if there's any books you want us to cover or talk about. If you if you also read mostly books with supernatural stuff in them, email us and let us know. Most of my books have supernatural stuff in them. It's just I also have you know, like to get books that don't. My husband likes to give me shit because he's a dick. Well, yeah. Uh, Stephanie, our Goodreads? Goodreads.com slash open AF and book. You want to give yours too? Goodreads.com slash ECJBAT. All right. Uh, we still have plenty of Patreon stickers if you guys, you know, want fancy Spotify Patreon stick. Well, they're not Patreon stickers. They're Spotify stickers that were giving away on patreon uh your donations go to make this show oh just 
a little bit better than what it is now. It's a hard, it's a high bar. She's still searching around the room for books that don't have supernatural elements in them okay. to prove to me that she reads other shit. Patreon.com slash open AFing book. I have, I'm nearing 600 books probably. I've lost count at this point. And like 300 and something of them I haven't read. So I don't even know which ones are. I mean, it's pretty easy to tell which ones. Do. It, it's harder to tell which ones don't, but it's pretty easy to tell which ones definitely do have some supernatural thing in them or so, something unworldly in it. I don't know. <laughs> Come back for our Monday show. We're going to have our second episode of Flannery O'Connor. Um, rate and review us wherever you listen. Subscribe, follow, uh Best thing you can do to help us out right now. Go to your local library, volunteer if they let you. Go to a local independently owned bookstore and buy a local, buy, I always fucking do that. Buy a book from a local independent author. It's the best thing you can do to help them right now. Uh, again, go down and look at our show notes right there underneath what you're listening to now, usually. And uh, should have the authors and the titles of the books there for you to peruse and you can get a hold of the author if you want to, usually on Twitter, but sometimes Instagram, Facebook, email, their website, whatever I can find. And a way to purchase or pre-order the book. And I think that's it. I think that's it as well. All right. Well, take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. In between now and time, we get to talk to you again. Do yourself a favor. I've got the biscuits. Not that shit again. Motherfucker. Go open a fucking book. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.